I was the conductor of the Underground Railroad for eight years. And I can say what most conductors can't say. I never ran my train off the track and I never lost a passenger. No man shall take me alive. Only the Lord will let them kill me. There was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. If you hear the dogs, keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. Every great dream begins with a dream. I started with this idea in my head. There's two things I got a right to, death or liberty. Slavery is the next thing to hell. When I found I had crossed that line, I looked in my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such a glory over everything. The sun came through like gold through the trees and over the field. And I felt like I was in heaven. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Harriet Tubman. This is Crossings, the Refugee Experience in America podcast. continuing our series on the abolitionist movement and the Underground Railroad, the merging of a social movement with direct social action, action that resettled freedom seekers into the relative safety of parts of the U.S. and Canada, and these were often led by freed persons themselves. The move to freedom with assistance from abolitionists and devices such as the Underground Railroad, may have functioned very much like refugee relief efforts, and they were right here in the United States. Today we want to honor and celebrate the 200th birthday of a great leader from the 19th century, a conductor on the Underground Railroad who never lost a passenger, a staunch abolitionist, a Civil War nurse and a spy, a suffragist, and a lifelong humanitarian and civil rights activist. Harriet Tubman was born into slavery on the eastern shore of a Maryland plantation 200 years ago in March of this year. She escaped in her late 20s and spent the next decade as a conductor on the Underground Railroad making 13 trips into Maryland, rescuing friends and family from slavery while, as she herself said, never losing a passenger. Fellow abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison called her Moses, and the name stuck. 
and Frederick Douglass, a contemporary, greatly admired Tubman and said this about her. The difference between us is very marked. Most that I have done and suffered in the service of our cause has been in public, and I have received much encouragement at every step of the way. You, on the other hand, have labored in a private way. I have wrought in the day, you in the night. The midnight sky and the silent stars have been the witnesses of your devotion to freedom and of your heroism. Excepting John Brown, of sacred memory, I know of no one who has willingly encountered more perils and hardships to serve our enslaved people than you have. So Vince, many of our listeners know about her heroism while working as a conductor on the Underground Railroad, but did you know that Harriet Tubman was the first American woman to lead a major U.S. military operation in wartime? So wait, you mean in addition to everything else she did, she sported chevrons on her sleeve? Well, unfortunately, not exactly. She was not recognized for her heroism during the Civil War, and it wasn't until years later that she finally did get a Civil War pension. Harriet Tubman volunteered at the onset of the Civil War in 1861, working under Major Benjamin F. Butler at Fort Monroe in Virginia. Fort Monroe has historical significance due to an event which occurred almost 250 years ago in 1619. Approximately 20 enslaved Africans landed in this location, known as Point Comfort at the time, aboard the ship known as the White Lion. Thousands of freedom seekers became actual refugees at this fort, behind Union Army lines, and Tubman's humanitarian efforts were put to use as a cook, a laundress, and a nurse. So this sounds like one of the over 300 refugee camps that were deployed with Union encampments during the actual war. So then in 1862, Massachusetts Governor John Andrew asked her to go to South Carolina to continue these humanitarian efforts. She initially served as a Union Army scout, spy, nurse, and Union Army recruiter of black soldiers. Tubman was also a healer during the war, which I find very fascinating. Her knowledge of plants and herbs helped her heal numerous Union soldiers of dysentery, which back in that era could be fatal. That's fascinating. And again, she wasn't paid for any of these efforts. No, she wasn't. But that never stopped her from doing the right thing. She became so well-known so quickly when you think of it. I mean, the Massachusetts governor adored her and, you know, and relied on her a lot. I mean, because she was so well-known in political circles and abolitionist circles that her reputation always preceded her. And whatever they asked her to do, she did well. So, Janice, what do we know about her role as an Underground Railroad conductor? Well, what she learned while she was doing that type of uh, work was gathering clandestine information, forming allies and evading capture, and those skills became invaluable to the Union Army. And on top of that, her humanitarian efforts, including running an eating house in Beaufort and establishing a a wash house where she was able to teach newly freed women skills such as washing, sewing, and baking for the Union soldiers to help them gain self-sufficiency. All the while being invaluable to the Union war effort. 
And then came Tubman's extraordinary U.S. military operation in June of 1863. She helped plan the covert operation alongside Colonel James Montgomery with the intent of disrupting the South's economy by burning plantations along South Carolina's Combahee River and freeing the enslaved people. And even though the Emancipation Proclamation had passed in January of 1863, many continued working on these plantations. So even with this exceptional national legal effort to define individuals as fully emancipated, the southern plantation owners went on business as usual, really saying, well, come stop me. Precisely. But Tubman had other ideas. So late on June 2nd, two armed steamers and an unarmed transport vessel sailed from the Beaufort River with 250 men, mostly African-American Union soldiers. Tubman led this clandestine operation, taking three plantations by surprise, burning the property and disrupting the much-needed rice supply for the Confederates while freeing over 800 slaves. This operation became one of the largest efforts of emancipating the enslaved, and once again, as with her work as a conductor on the Underground Railroad, Tubman's successful raid was achieved without any loss of life. So after this successful raid, Tubman continued her humanitarian efforts, including serving meals to the famed 54th Massachusetts Infantry, and witnessed the ill-fated battle at Fort Wagner in July of 1863. The casualties at this battle represented the highest in the history of the regiment during a single engagement. So is this the infantry that the film Glory was based on? Absolutely. So let's hear Tubman's own words as she recounted to her biographer, Albert Bushnell Hart. And then we saw the lightning. And that was the guns. And then we heard the thunder. And that was the big guns. And then we heard the rain falling. And that was the drops of blood falling. And when we came to get in the crops, it was dead men that we reaped. Janice. What became of Harriet Tubman after the Civil War? Well, then she returned to her home in Auburn, New York, where she continued her humanitarian efforts. She became a staunch supporter of the women's rights movement, speaking in cities on the East Coast, and at 74 years of age, Tubman was a speaker at the first meeting of the National Association of Colored Women in 1896. Harriet Tubman's final humanitarian efforts involved caring for the elderly, manifesting itself as a home for the elderly in 1908 on property adjacent to her Auburn, New York home. And after her own hospitalization in 1911, she moved into this home for the elderly until her death in 1913. Well, thank you for this uh, brief but compelling biography of the actions of Harriet Tubman. You know, this extraordinary woman has been honored with several African-American women firsts, like the SS Harriet Tubman, which was commissioned in 1944, and she appeared on a postage stamp in 1978, I think it was, and she will at last 
grace the $20 bill no later than 2030. It is not widely agreed by scholars that all the quotes attributed to Harriet Tubman are documented as her actual words. The spoken words at the beginning of this podcast carry the spirit of Tubman's work in the world. We'd like to thank Pauletta Jackson for providing the voice of Harriet Tubman, Isaac Points as Frederick Douglass. This episode was written by Janice Pugh Waller and produced by Vincent Hostack and Janice Pugh Waller. Our theme music was composed, produced, and recorded by John Orr Franklin. Find his recordings at johnorfranklinmusic.com. Orr is spelled O-R-R. Find us on Facebook at Crossings Refugees. Our blog hosts extras and essays at Crossings, the Refugee Experience in America.wordpress.com. We'll be back with episodes on the status of resettlement of Afghan refugees, more on the abolitionist movement in the 19th century, and other contemporary topics. Thanks for listening. Keep going.